Well, happy Easter, everyone. Yeah, that was, that was a little, little, little bit weak, I got to be honest with you, all right? So let's try that one more time. It's the day that we celebrate that Jesus rose again from the dead, all right? Let's try this one more time. Happy Easter, everyone. Ah, uh, it's much better. That's awesome. Well, good morning. My name is Todd. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am really glad that you've joined us uh, for our Easter services, Easter 2017. It is the day that we celebrate each year uh, the resurrection of Jesus, and just like we sang, um, we celebrate because there is no longer, Jesus is no longer hanging on the cross, nor is he inside the tomb. He's risen and he overcame death, and that's what we celebrate today. And uh, boy, I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. Wherever you are in, in your spiritual life, whether you're here uh, willingly or if somebody dragged you here because you're staying at their house. Either way, I'm really glad that you're here, all right, this morning. And uh, we're in the midst of a series called The Case for Christ, and here we are at the 11 o'clock service. It's the last service. So one of two things is going to happen. I'm either really tired and my throat is gone, and it's going to be a really short message, and you guys will be the first ones to Easter brunch. Or I know there's not a service after this, and i got no place to go. We might be here for two more hours. All right, so anyway, one of those two, two things is going to happen, uh, and I'll just let you figure out what you think is going to happen. Anyway, I, I, we are in this midst of this series called The Case for Christ. I think some of you are worried now. I'm not going to preach two hours, I promise, okay? We're in this series called The Case for Christ, and we have been using a book that was written by a guy by the name of Lee Strobel. Uh, he wrote it uh, um, a couple decades ago, and uh, it's the story of his life. Uh, Lee was an atheist, and he was a journalist, and his wife came home one day and told him that she had accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior, and it rocked his world. And so Lee, as a good journalist and a good atheist, decided that he would investigate the case for Christ, and that he would take the evidence that he found from experts and his research and stack it up against what his wife believed, and his goal was to save his wife from Christ. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? And so he goes through this long, arduous process of going through all this investigation, and years later, he, he wrote a book about it called The Case for Christ, which was made into a, a movie that was released last weekend. How many of you have seen the movie or were with us as a church? We rented out a theater. How many of you have seen the movie? It's fantastic, and I really recommend you go see it. Um, it's done very well. Uh, I, I don't like corny movies, okay? So I wouldn't, like, send you astray, all right? It's really done well. They did a good job on it. And Lee even said himself that they really remain very close to the, the, the book. I mean, it's just his life, and so he was really involved in it. And uh, so it's a fantastic movie. But today we're here on the day that we celebrate the resurrection, and there's two things that happened largely that, that kind of like frame Easter. Jesus came into Jerusalem that week, and he, he went through a phony trial. He was, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was made fun of, and he literally was scourged. And so he was Literally, by, by the time they nailed him to the cross on Friday, most experts believe that most people probably wouldn't have even survived even to that point. And there he is on the cross, and he died, and his blood was shed. And the Bible is very clear, we're going to look at it in a moment, that the reason that he died was because blood had to be shed for our sins to be forgiven. And that's what God was doing. He, he sent Jesus to do that on the cross. But, but what we celebrate today is, is something that's much more joyous and, and, and something that we can celebrate. And that's the fact that he didn't stay dead. He rose again from the dead. 
And because of that, not only are our sins forgiven because of his death on the cross, but we can experience life in heaven with God forever if we trust in Jesus to be our personal Savior. And that's the gospel story. That's the story of Easter. That's the story of Resurrection Sunday. And that's the story that Lee set out to try to disprove. And in doing so, um, he, uh, he really took a look at all the different evidence. And I want to encourage you to go back. If you, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, we began two weeks ago by investigating the, the case for Christ. Last week by really like experiencing the, the evidence and, and examining the evidence. And today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be embracing the truth of Christ to make it personal. Because here's the deal. If all this is is just a great story. If all it is is a story that even, like, you believe up here, it does nothing if you don't receive that gift personally. And so that's where we're going to be going today. That's what we're going to be looking at. And Jesus has this interesting conversation with his disciples. These were, these were men, and, and actually men and women, people who left their homes, but, but these 12 men that left everything they knew, they left their families, they left their, what they did for, for work, for their income, and they chose to follow Jesus. And then Jesus starts talking about one day when he's going to be gone. And so they're freaking out a little bit, just to be honest with you. These disciples are wondering, where in the world are you going? And in John 14, we see that Jesus kind of explains that I'm going home. I'm going to be going to be with my father. And by the way, you can come with me if you believe. There's a, there's a mansion in home that you can have when you get there. And so he describes heaven as home, essentially. Now, isn't home a great place to be when you've been gone from home? Like when you've been traveling for a long time, and some of you are traveling right now, aren't you? How many of you are here, like on vacation, spring break, or the heritage? Awesome. Quite a few of you. And you're traveling, and you're like, please, I want to go home. I've been with these people for weeks now, and I'm sick of it. And I'm ready to be home in my own bed with different people around me. All right, I'm just kidding about that. But, uh, like, we, we long for home when we're far away. Maybe some of you, as a child, ran away from home, and you're, you're just a few steps out of the house, and you realize that perhaps you didn't think through this decision fully. That, like, you know, you have to have food and shelter and clothing, and so where do you go? You go back where? You go back home. You back, go back home. My, my family, when I was young, I was about seven or eight years old, and we, we took a long trip. Uh, we took a long vacation. I, I, we lived in Orlando at the time, and my, my mom and dad packed me and my sister in uh, their, my dad had like this Cadillac, I think it was like a DeVille or something like that. Like it was like not a huge, like SUVs didn't really exist back when I was growing up. It was conversion vans, right? Am I right? conversion vans, or, you know, or like, and we didn't have one. So anyway, so we packed in there and we drove to Tampa. That wasn't the long journey. In Tampa, we picked up my grandparents. So six of us in this relatively small Cadillac. And then we decided to drive to Colorado. <laughs> yeah, this was fun. You know, fun. It was fun. So it was so much fun. And this was in the 70s and so maybe early 80s. And my sister and I didn't have iPhones or iPads or I anything. At that point in time, fun in the back seat of that Cadillac was crayons and paper and maybe a coloring book. All right, and so my sister and I would sit back there and we were doing this the whole time. And um, the best part of that trip was when my little sister, she's three years younger than me, she drew a picture of a jail cell and she was in it. 
And I thought, this is how much fun we're having, all right? This is just a great, great family trip. And we got out there. We did have a good time, but boy, we all wanted to be home by the time it was done. We wanted to be back home by the time it was done. And, you know, just like those disciples, just like those of you who may have been gone for a long time, home is where you want to be. It's what you desire. And Jesus is spiritually talking about the fact that there is a place that we call home, and it's heaven, and that's where God intended for us to be. The problem is, is the story of God and man goes incredibly wrong right out of the gates, right in the Garden of Eden. And and Adam and Eve decided to sin, and they decided to do the one thing that God told them not to do, and sin entered the world forever, and it's what separates us from God The Bible says that he can't even look on sin. And so the problem with God and humanity is that we've got this problem of sin. Something had to happen with our sin for us to have that relationship with God and for us to be home and be with him. And so that's the problem we face. That's the dilemma that we face. And so Jesus was talking about the way home. And it's interesting because you and I, want a wide-open, six-lane freeway on our trip back home with no wrecks, no traffic, no cops to pull us over. If you're an officer of the law, we thank you so much for all you do except for pulling us over when you go too fast. That's irritating. But anyway, like we want a wide-open freeway to go home where there's no tolls and no adventure. The problem is, is there are tolls along the way. In fact, uh, the way home, spiritually speaking, unfortunately, is much more of a tollway than it is a freeway. It's much more of a tollway than it is a freeway. See, there had to be a payment for us to be on the road home. And the Bible is so clear on this, and I think churches nowadays kind of want to like gloss over this and kind of miss this, but there had to be a price that had to be paid. There, there was something wrong, and something had to be done with this sin. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible. He, he talks about this in his letter he wrote to the church in Rome. Check this out in Romans 5, 6 through 11. He says this, for why we were still weak, for why we were still weak, At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Man, I'm so glad that's true, that he died for the ungodly. Paul goes on to say, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And here's this next verse is where we get to the, the, the real kind of crux of things. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, talking about Jesus' blood on the cross, much more shall we be saved from him from the wrath of God. And here's the part that we don't like to focus on. We don't like to focus on that there was a price that had to be paid and that price was paid by the life of the Son of God, by his blood. We don't like to focus on Friday because all of our attention is on Sunday. The problem is, is that we cheapen, listen, I want you to hear this. We cheapen what God did and what Jesus did when we don't focus on the fact that there had to be a price paid for our sin. We take away the importance of what he did that day on the cross and what he did three days later by rising again from the dead. 
when we don't focus on it. And so sin and God's problem with sin and our struggle with sin frames the whole Easter story. It's the beginning of it. And to miss it is to really miss the whole point of the message of Jesus. Galatians 3 goes on to talk about the fact that there is a price to be paid on the road. In Galatians 3, 10 through 13, essentially what Paul says here is that you could pay the price by living according to the law, and you could be perfect in the law, then you could have pay the price yourself. But who among us has ever been perfect according to the law? None of us have ever been perfect according to the law. And so Jesus' death on the cross is the payment for our toll on the way home, on the road home. Jesus paid the toll. And as we sang about just a few minutes ago, we owe nothing. We owe him nothing. It has been fully paid. First John in the New Testament says this in 1 John 2, 2, says this, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, I'm guessing that in the last week, none of you have probably used the word propitiation. If you have, you can come talk to me. I'd love to hear about it because I'd love to hear the context of that. Probably, some of you have never, never, never even heard of that word. It's not a common word, but essentially what it means is, is a substitution. He is the substitution or the payment or the justification for our sin. It's almost like we were on trial and God, Jesus, stood in on our behalf and took our punishment. And we were completely guilty. That's what propitiation means, substitute. And so that's what Jesus did. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sin, for the righteous, for the unrighteous, um, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive with the Spirit. And so Jesus paid the price of our toll on the way home. He did it all, every bit of it. And that's God's gift to us. That is God's gift to us. The fact that he paid the toll is his gift to us. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the, say those next two words with me, free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The same guy who wrote that wrote this message to the church, to the Christians in Ephesus in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. He says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. So the toll paid is a gift to you, and it's a gift to me, and it is a gift to all of humanity. And how we receive that gift means everything. What we do with that gift sets the stage for our eternity, not just for our life here. Those of you who are locals here, who live here on Hilton Head Island, and man, what a great place it is to live. And I'm so thankful that, that I have, get to live here, man. It's a great, wonderful place. But we, um, if we go from the south end to the north end, and, and we don't want to go the regular route of 278, we use what? The Cross Island Parkway, right? And we have to pay a toll, right? We have to pay $1.25, I think right now is what it is, right? You tell I don't pay attention to these things, unfortunately. But anyway, like, and yes, if you're from, not from here, we do separate it into north and south end. 
because it's such a huge, huge place. I mean, it's massive, so, yeah. <laughs> Some of you are from Atlanta are like, are you kidding me, really? Like, <laughs> you have to separate it north and south end? Yep, we do, okay? Uh, if we go off the island, you're lucky. So anyway, anyway, like, when we go on that toll road and we pay that toll, um, like, Imagine for a moment if, if you were to do that this afternoon after the heritage is over and you're going back on the north end, you're going back home, and, and you, you, you go through the toll, and, and, and someone there at the toll booth says to you, hey, someone's already paid this for you. What would your reaction be? You see, our response to the gift that God has given is everything. And I think there are generally three responses to God's gift. The first response is that we try to repay the gift. This would be like if we go through the toll booth and it's been paid for us and we decide that we're going to speed as fast as we can and flag down the person in front of us and try to get their attention and make them pull over and they think that we're nuts, we're like loony, and, and we pull them over and we're like, hey, don't ever pay for my toll ever again. I am completely offended that you did that. And here's your buck 25, because I can pay for it myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's repayment. Trying to pay back the price of the gift. Except here's the problem. A gift that's been paid back is really no longer a gift, right? <laughs> it's a little bit more like a short-term loan. <laughs> when we try to pay God back, for what he did on the cross, it is a completely worthless effort. Because Jesus paid 100% of the price. And by the way, consider the price. It cost him his life. See, we can't pay for something. Not only is that true that has already been paid for, but my goodness, we cannot pay for the for, for the high price with our small amount. We can't bring our measly little whatever to God and repay him for the, the price he paid, which was the life of his one and only son. But we do it all the time. Lee Strobel, in his book called The Case for Grace, he wrote a series of books, books after the case for Christ. In the case for grace, he, uh, he describes a, a, a person that he had the opportunity uh, to meet. His name was Judd, and Judd was, was an addict. He was strung out. He was a mess. And God got a hold of his life. He, he accepted Jesus as a Savior, and his life completely changed around. In fact, Judd, his life changed so much that he sold everything to serve God. He literally only had one shirt, one pair of pants, and and one pair of shoes. And he made such a radical change in his life that he began to try to like repay God with what he did with his life. And all of a sudden, his attitude went from like one place to another place where he started judging everyone around him for not doing what he was doing. And then all of a sudden, he ended up and, and kind of ran from God and kind of like disavowed Christianity for a little while. Now, he came back to God, and Judd is a pastor and, and leading a church and doing well. It's amazing what God's doing through his life. But it highlights the fact that our repaying God back is an effort in, in absolutely futility. We cannot even come close to paying God back for something that is already been paid. But there's a second way that we respond to God. It's very similar, but it's a little bit different, and that is performance. 
We try to prove our worth. We try to prove the worth of the cost of God's gift by maybe how we behave or our works or our obedience. Now, if we worked and obey and act for God, those are good things, but not when the motive is to try to perform for God. See, when we try to do that, all of a sudden it leads to us becoming legalistic and harsh. So performance leads to legalism, and legalism eventually leads to death, and that's what Jesus came to save us from anyway. See, performance imprisons, but grace liberates. It's God's grace that liberates. It's not our performance for him. And so both repayment and performance are are really examples of, of, of what earned salvation is. Like we're trying to earn it some way. Now, I realize that some of you are in here today and, and your background, your faith background told you that your salvation was earned by your works. But the real truth of the case for Christ, the real truth of the Bible is, is there's nothing that we can do that's good enough to be able to earn our salvation. There's no performance that we can have that's going to be good enough to be worthy of it. There's no repayment that we can make that will add up to the price of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection a few days later. Their earned salvation. And so the way that God desires for us to respond is from a place of gratitude. And gratitude is confidently responding to God's gift with, with thanksgiving and, and gratitude. You know, God doesn't want us to work. In fact, the message of the whole New Testament, the message of Jesus was so much the opposite. In fact, Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight 28 says this. Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You need some rest today, spiritually? Been trying and trying and trying to repay God. Been trying and trying and trying to perform by your good works. You know what God says? He says, rest. Come to me and find rest. That's his goal is for us to find rest in him. And that's how we can embrace the truth is that we find spiritual rest in him. We find our way home in the toll that he already paid. Lee began to to kind of add this up in his mind and he found out that the book of Romans, that, that letter that Paul wrote to the church of Rome is just full of good things, but there were three things. It's called the Romans Road and it's three small verses that is like the whole story of the gospel, and one of them we've already read, but, but I want you to check these out because Lee began to realize that this is it right here. You begin with Romans 3.23 that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. I would imagine there's probably no one in here who's going to argue that. But then Romans 6.23, we've already read it, it says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what he did. And then Romans 6.10, or 10.13 says, for everyone who, say that next word with me, calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Lee began to realize as he stacked up the evidence in his case for Christ, he began to realize that there's a formula. 
And it's pretty simple when you come right down to it. We mentioned it in week one. It's this. You believe and you receive the gift. And that allows you to become a child of God. It really is just that simple. The price is high, but the path is very simple. You believe and you receive. And that allows you to become a Christ follower. And so the story in the movie and the book describes how Lee one night came home and he began to fess up to his wife, Leslie, who had become a very, very strong, some might say, a zealot Christian. <laughs> and he began to confess that all this time he's been doing research to try to disprove her newfound faith. But what he found surprised him. It's a clip in the movie, and I want you to see it here today. Check out the screens. When you became a Christian, I freaked out. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, I was scared. Um, and I felt like that I needed to, uh, to save you. And so I decided to set out to prove this was all a big con. And so that's what I've been doing all this time. I just had to prove this whole thing wrong. But I couldn't. The evidence for your faith, it's more overwhelming than I could have ever imagined. But it wasn't just the evidence, okay? It was you. You never stopped loving me. You never gave up on me. And I think because of that, God didn't either. I don't, I don't think God gave up on you either, but what, what are you saying? Uh, <laughs> I can't even fathom what I'm going to say this out I believe. I do. Let me just... But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, mm -hmm. to those who believe in his name. And what does that mean? That <laughs> means believe plus receive equals become. receive what do I what's what's the protocol for, uh, for that there's no wrong way or right way just you you talk to God mm -hmm. you tell him your heart mm -hmm. and, and we do that right now I mean shouldn't we go to church or... mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> right here right now this is church okay 
I have no idea what I'm doing. But I cannot ignore the evidence. And I don't know everything. Uh, I, I never will know everything. Um, but I, I know enough. And I believe it. I believe you. And I'm sorry for what I've, what I've put my wife through. Um, what I put my family through. Uh, but I believe you're real. And I don't know what comes next. I don't know... I don't know what it means. I just know that I want... I want that. I want... I want whatever's next. I want that. So let's do that. so genuine. Maybe you're here today and you walked in a little bit like Lee. Maybe you've had a period of your life where some things have happened to you and you've really <clears throat> doubted. But now you believe. Maybe you get it intellectually in your mind. <laughs> Maybe you get it when you look at the evidence. My challenge to you is don't miss receiving it personally. Lee's decision to make it personal set his eternity. I want you to think about that for a moment. His eternity was set in place. It's a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. And because of his decision to receive that gift, to receive that that toll was paid on the way home, Lee's going to spend eternity in heaven with God forever. And I hope and I pray that if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus for eternity, maybe you've been in church a long time in your life, maybe you've been every Sunday for all your life, but you've never received that gift, my prayer is that you would do that today. You would put aside trying to repay it trying to perform for it, and that you would just receive what God has already done. And when you do, you take a step into eternity. That's my prayer today for you. If you're a Christ follower, and maybe your response to already being saved has been trying to repay God or perform for him, man, it's, it's time to stop. I've been there. I can say that. It's okay. But it's time to stop. It's time to have that motive be gratitude for what he did on the cross. So would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for what you did 
And I thank you for those who are here today who have already received your free gift. They've already received that payment that was already made, the toll for the way home. And God, I pray for those of us who are Christ followers who might be in here today and we're trying to repay you or perform for you and it's just pointless. And I pray that you would help us, God, to, um, to just walk away from that and just respond in our walk with you from a place of gratitude for the gift that you gave us. God, help us to live for you and to glorify you, not to perform or to repay, but just because we're so grateful and thankful for what you did. That it's just a natural outflow of our lives to live for you, to serve you, to give to you, to, to, to be you in our homes and in our communities. But God, I want to pray right now for those who came in today and maybe they were skeptical or doubting or maybe they've never even considered being on the way home. And today, something clicked in their hearts, in their minds. And today, they're ready to receive you as their Savior. They're ready to take that gift. They're ready to receive it fully. If you're here today, just in the quietness of this room, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we were just in this prayerful moment, and you've never received the gift of God, of salvation, it's for eternity. It's for eternity. When this life is over, the next one begins. Where are you going to spend eternity? If you've never done that, I want to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer. It's maybe something similar to what Lee prayed. And just receive that gift from God. The words aren't magical, obviously. <laughs> What's important is the intent of your heart. And if, if you want to receive the gift of God of salvation today, regardless of where you've been or what you've done, I want to invite you to pray a prayer that I'm going to pray out loud. It's just going to be real simple. And you can pray it in your own words to God just silently. He hears you. He knows your heart. So here we go. This is the prayer that I want to invite you to pray if you've never accepted Jesus and received Jesus as your Savior. God, thank you for your son, Jesus. <laughs> thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my toll on the way home and today I admit that I'm flawed and I'm a sinner and today I accept and I receive your gift of salvation with every head bowed and every eye closed I won't embarrass you my greatest fear in life is to be embarrassed so I promise I won't embarrass you. But if you prayed that prayer with me in any form or fashion to God and you meant it, it was your first time praying it, I'm going to ask you with every head bowed and every eye closed just to raise your hand and look up at me and I want to pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. A lot of hands went up. Keep your hand up for a moment. Awesome. Keep your hands up for a moment. Awesome. To my right or my left, right in the middle. Thank you so much for being honest. Keep your hands up for a moment. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you for those who said yes to you. 
And they took that step into eternity because they received your gift. And God, I thank you so much for your sacrifice and for the fact that these who have their hands raised, and maybe even some that don't, that accepted you as their Savior, their eternity is going to be with you in heaven because of the death and burial and resurrection of your Son. And we thank you for that. You can put your hands down. God, we thank you so much for what you did on the cross. And now help us to live our lives. God, glorifying you with them because of what you did from a place of gratitude and thanksgiving. God, right now, we just give you our worship. We give you our praises. We sing about that name above all names, the great and the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. We thank you for the cross and for the empty tomb. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.